Hello and welcome back to Equity TechCrunch's venture capital focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. This week for our Wednesday show, we are niching down to the Expensify EC1 and joining me to do that is Danny Critton, TechCrunch's managing editor. How are you, Danny? Natasha, good to be here. Alex is not here. He's on vacation. Uh, and of course, <laughs> we have the Expensify SaaS discussion the week he's not here. I don't know what we were thinking. That's how the schedule went. I didn't control it. You can blame our producer, Chris, but super happy to be here. Lots of cool numbers and, uh, and stuff to talk about today. It's a recurring trend, Danny, to your point, because I covered the Monday episode. Bitcoin came up. Elon Musk came up. Public market stuff came up. And I was just like, why is this the week that he's out? There is a lot to get into today. And we are going to walk through it all. Before that, I had to do a quick plug for our live show, which is next week. I think it'll be a lot of fun for everyone. Make sure you sign up. I've been told to keep my dad jokes to a minimum. I can assure you that I will not be following in terms <laughs> of guidelines. Be the best part of it. It'll be nice. So yeah, let's turn to this EC1. Anaheim has spent, what, six months working on a story about Expensify, which some of you might know and actually use. It's an expense management SaaS business and is, has around 10 million users, around 130 employees, and is about 13 years old. Danny, so walk me through, I guess, some of the basics of the company, but also why it was EC1 worthy, so to speak. You know, Expensify is a truly, in my view, unique company, SF-based, profitable, 25% EBITDA margins, over 100 million AR in, in 2020. The, the company is just weird AF. It is truly a unique culture, a unique organization, pioneered a lot of what we would call product-led growth. And uniquely for us, I mean, just from a TechCrunch perspective, they debuted at TechCrunch 50 2008, our old startup alley, what was called Demo Pit. And, um, you know, to me, it was one of these categories where, okay, let's, let's be honest. Okay. It's expense management software. Okay. I would rather take that knife for the SEC and like stab myself repeatedly than to read about expense management software. And yet Expensify has actually managed to make, I think one of the most interesting stories we've covered. The company comes out of the peer to peer hacking world of the early two thousands. I think that's the part of the story that I just had no idea about. David Barrett, who's the CEO and founder worked with Travis Kalanick. Before starting Uber, he had a company called Red Swoosh, which was focused on, I guess you would call it a decentralized CDN or content delivery network. And Red Swoosh ended up getting bought by Akamai. David followed Travis. They all left because Akamai was Akamai. Travis ended up going to start Uber and, and David ended up starting Expensify, both of which are now, I mean, obviously Uber IPO'd a few years ago, but now are heading towards the public market. So you know, there's this ethos, this very democratized, decentralized, non-egocentric ethos that's built into the company from a very foundational level. Totally. I think this is one of those cases where you see how much a single person's experience can really impact every side of the business. From a very basic level, I mean, everything's unusual because the company reinvents everything. I mean, there's there's nothing in the business that is in any way like the societal default for how to do something. <laughs> like they don't have the defaults for HR. They don't have defaults around org structure and org charts. I don't even know how org chart software would even handle them because there's no org chart. I think it's one of these companies where it's like, mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful social experiment. You know, we have so many defaults when you go from company to company, but that's just because people just borrow from each other and they're just using the same models over and over again. Like, of course, you must have engineers and senior engineers and architects and VPs of engineering, and you have to have this hierarchy, and this is the only way to go about doing it. But that's just because no one ever bothered to try to find another solution. So to what I love about Expensify is, okay, compensation. Sure. Okay, there are managers. They're going to give promotion ratings. Based on those ratings, you're going to get a bump. 
you have a promotion committee or whatever. Expensify has chosen to do this sort of revealed preference. They've done sort of a game theoretic model to say, okay, what's the best way of revealing what people's salary should be? I don't think anyone's <laughs> getting a salary cut. Yeah. To be clear, I don't think, I, I don't want to say it's literally a floor, but I don't think it's like, yes or no. It, it's more like, who are the people who are most valuable to what you built this year? And the idea from the company's perspective is, you know, there are all these engineers who, let's say, put their heads down, do the work, do great work, work in a couple of different teams. But if that's not a priority to the company, if, if David, the CEO, didn't see that directly, you're not going to get compensated in the same way as being in that visible project like you are in a lot of big companies. Yeah. And so the idea with this sort of model is to say, how do we make sure that everyone gets compensated fairly, even if they're doing something that's not sexy, that doesn't necessarily reach the board, but it's super important to the company? Right. I feel like my immediate thought is how does this impact underrepresented people and minorities who may suffer from bias or, or definitely are suffering from bias everywhere in the world? And I think like there has to be a lot of intention there, because if if it all comes down to voting and, you know, no, I, I guess like I'm thinking like structure is helpful for people who need that in order to be heard. And so how do you flip the script and take it away, but also still make sure that they're being heard? I mean, I feel like that's still a nut that's left to crack for Expensify. It, it's a culture that obviously it's very opinionated, right? And and in the sense of like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And I actually think a lot of folks would hate it. You know, there's not a lot of structure. They have four career paths, as an example. They have a generalist, an evangelist, a people manager, and like a tenure path. You know, they have a Senate in which decisions for the company get made. So famously, oh, yes. last year during the election, Expensify sent an email to all of the customers suggesting that people vote for Biden over Trump. And that was decided by the Expensify Senate. Um, which is a concept that just doesn't exist in any other company that I'm aware of, right? Wait, yeah, let's take a minute to explain the Expensify Senate, because this is actually crazy. It's it's for a group of people that have been around the company for a long time, but don't see themselves fitting into the other career paths that really Expensify says are their future. They're given this authority to really vote on how a lot of decisions are made at Expensify and literally like govern the company. I mean, it's its own world in that way. And I think what's interesting is if you think of Expensify as only being 130 employees after 13 years, right? They're adding an employee one a month. Wow. Barely. Yeah. I talked to a lot of founders in sort of that Series B scaling stage when they're going from 60 to 120 to 200 to 400. And, and one of the things you really lose in those contexts is you can't really maintain a culture or a unique culture, or a differentiated culture, when you're hiring, you know, 80% of your workforce is less than a year old. And I think Expensify is one of the clearest examples I've ever seen of a company that's like, if you're onboarding exactly sure. one person per month, and I, I realize it's not literally that, but on average, one person per month, you actually can maintain a unique culture. You can onboard people in a unique way. You can actually invest in each person as they're walking in through the door. I don't know if that helps uh, diversity. I don't know if it, it allows them to reach out to uh, different types of folks. But because it's just slower, there's a lot more, I think, intentionality. Whereas I think when you go to a large company, I mean, you know, we're ultimately owned by Verizon. So you go through Verizon orientation, you know, Verizon's <laughs> 130,000 employees, like you are cattle. Uh, there's no way about it. Like people were very nice. People were onboarding, but it's like- <laughs> Happens once a look, week. You're one of 200 people who need a laptop. Now go sit over there and like <laughs> shut up. There's nothing you can do in that context. There's just too many people. And I think what makes Expensify unique is they didn't grow very fast and they also retain. I mean, the retention- for their employee base is is crazy. So they're not replenishing the same 130. They're not hiring 100 people a year and losing 100 people a year. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about as I read through this EC1 is, is there something inherently about expense management software that is attracting these people who are so comfortable with this 
alternative culture to join the company. Like, for example, when I was covering Duolingo, it was it made sense that they would attract people who believed in free education. But with Expensify, that just seems a lot harder to get right. And I'm guessing maybe it has to do with their way that they recruit. Part of their process is to not really look at resumes. And so maybe that's kind of how they're proving their mission early on. But I just find that like when people think of expense management software, as you guys mentioned in the piece, they don't think of the most creative and <laughs> unconventional company out there. I think one of the tricks to Expensify success is precisely the, the culture so unique that they don't, they're not selling come work at an expense management software company. It is come work at this unique company that empowers people in a different way where you can go and be an engineer and then do marketing and then back to engineering and then do open source and also be on a Senate and make company-wide decisions. It's a very different offering, right? And so to my view, you know, I, I won't claim that uh, expensive employees are better or worse than employees elsewhere, but they're able to attract a very unique person. And I don't think you could do that if you were just like, hey, just work at another SaaS company. We do expenses. They've created a world where, look, I mean, it could be a thousand people working at Expensify today, given their revenues, given what they're working on. And the reality is they've taken this approach of saying, look, we're going to automate everything. We're going to do product-led growth so we don't have a sales team or a marketing team. We're not going to have much of a support team. Of the support we do, every employee has to do support. So every employee has to work with customers which creates huge incentives to reduce the support volume because otherwise everyone has to do support for a bunch of customers all the time. It's just a way of saying like, look, if you want to have a lot of autonomy in your job, you know, part of that is to, to raise the automation and raise kind of the, the work you have to do, right? If you're an engineer, you're not just uh, pushing pixels on the website. It's like, no, you're, you're building an AI engine for the receipt architecture. So you don't actually have to hire employees to read receipts. And that's just a totally different skill set, And it raises the bar and has allowed them to get to immense you know, profitability and scale with almost no people. It's honestly a, a lesson for any founder listening right now. If you're struggling with recruitment, start having opinions and start having takes about <laughs> the way that startups are built. I, I would love to see, you know, not anyone to copy Expensify. I just wish there were more companies that were willing to be original in how they built their organizations. I just think every company is the same. I, every time I hear about culture, I, I have a rule, by the way, on EC1s that we never cover the culture story. Yeah, I was going to say. And what I mean by that is almost all companies are the same. All of them are the same. If you, again, because of that, that Silicon Valley growth pattern, as soon as you're a thousand employees, you've just downloaded the median Silicon Valley workplace culture ethos, almost guaranteed. Even international companies that expand to the US, it's the same thing. There's no way to get it past this. And I just think that Expensify is one of the few examples of a company that we saw where it's like, they just keep rebuilding and doubling down on, we're going to do something unique and different. And that's super interesting. But I want to talk about one more thing. The tech stack, we don't talk about tech very often on the show. Um, but this is another example of a place where, look, most SaaS companies use off-the-shelf tools. That's why there's so many infrastructure companies, Stripe, Twilio, whatever the case may be, AWS, to get their products off the ground. Expensify is one of these companies that's just like, we're just going to build everything from scratch. Like, we're not going to use a database off the shelf. We're just going to write a database from scratch and make our own database. <laughs> and to me, like, that's also really interesting. I don't recommend that for most people. But instead of hiring for people who know how to operate AWS, Expensify hires people who know how to write databases. And that's a different skill set. It might be actually quite interesting. Some of those database people might go, I don't really care what the data is. It happens to be expense data. I just want to work on a database. That's super cool. 
and therefore they're able to attract a different type of workforce. Another thing came up in the piece was how they, they were founded in San Francisco, but pretty early on moved to a small town in Michigan. I believe the town's name was Ironwood. And the reason I bring up Ironwood is because usually when you think of a satellite office, you think sales and marketing roles. But Expensify did a really interesting thing and made Ironwood this place where they were doing like their hardest, most difficult kinds of business activities like advanced human verification, software development. I mean, team management, they weren't just using it as a place to have people. They were using it as a place to do these really hard things. And I think, again, like the way that they're treating a satellite office is pretty interesting. It's, it's like a different kind of bet that we just don't see super often. No, we, we don't see that very often, but particularly for a city like Ironwood, which is in the upper peninsula of Michigan, very rural, far from any major metropolitan center. The engineering team there was hired out of a local community college where they've literally built a relationship with a professor there who was pulling students out, you know, basically the best of the pack, so to speak, and introducing them to Expensify. I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about the story, though, is that there's just a more holistic view of people. No one wants to do the same job year after year for 50 years and then die. Well said. I don't. Most people aren't in that category. And yet most of life, most of the jobs you get out there is like, well, you're going to do email, newsletter, marketing optimization, and you will do that for the rest of your life because that's the job we have. We have a job for someone to optimize email newsletters or email marketing, and that's what you do. And Expensify is a totally different model, which is to say they're very focused on hiring generalists who are willing to just change. It's like, you want to go become a marketer for the next five years? Go do that. Like, why not? You can learn this. And I, I think that that's like really unique because it, it's less focused on what the company needs and much more about, look, actually marketing, you know, no offense to the marketers, is not impossible to learn. Even engineering is not impossible to learn. You can learn Python and you can learn a lot of different languages actually quite quickly if you put your time and energy into it. And as a retention strategy and as just as a sort of, a, you know, let's make work interesting it's a totally different model than stuff we see. Elsewhere. Yeah, damn, that just got deep and I'm here for it. But I think like no one talks about that. No one talks about the fact that we're doing the same job for 50 years. I just keep coming back to this podcast again and again and again. I turn on this microphone. I barf words into the microphone. I deal with Alex's complaints about my dad jokes. <laughs> I watch this, all of my funny jokes get cut by the producer. And I, I'm... And I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my goddamn life. Don't make me sad, Danny. <laughs> I guess maybe the last point that I want to bring up is what you said about looking at people as like fully rounded definition of what it means to be a person. And Expensify has pays people the same rate regardless of where they're based, which is just still so rare today. And even a lot of companies are rethinking this at the moment as their people become distributed. Expensify, I guess, early on applied this principle as early as 2009, had basically gone to its employees and said, listen, like, you don't need to be in San Francisco. We'll pay you the same. And then it kind of made all of their employees have these like self-realization moments of like why they're in certain cities, why they tie their value to certain cities. And I feel like that's just like a healthy conversation. We'll see more and more. So even as Expensify has done a lot of reinvention. It's also, I think, there's a lot of learning lessons in this EC1 about what startups can do to prepare for the new frontier of work because it, as our show has reflected, as the headlines are reflected, a lot of things are changing now that we're re-entering into society. I, I couldn't agree more. And look, it's 16,000 words. It's five parts. Uh, it was six months of work by Anna Haim, who did an amazing job. Exhaustive. I mean, I just, I, I've never seen 
so much prodigious work built into one of these, except for Natasha's Duolingo AC one, of course. <laughs> I'm uh, Since she's here in the room, <laughs> or at least on the pod. Uh, but Anna did an amazing job. It is a, it, it is both an amazing romp of a story. Like it is truly like following Travis and David in Thailand on all these trips and everything. There's pirates. Course, there's there's this whole angle. like it's an amazing story. But like there's so many lessons learned on, on product led growth, scaling a company, culture management, all those sorts of great stuff. So definitely go and check out the expensive IEC one on Extra Crunch. And I think we still have a promo code of equity. Hopefully. Yes. Use code equity. If it doesn't work, uh, I guess you pay full price. But assuming it does work, you can pay equity 25% off, I believe. Or maybe it's a dollar. I don't know. Uh, we might be getting cheaper over time. Five zero, uh, actually, I believe. Yeah, it's a good old five zero. You get, you get something it's like, off. Are we advertising well or are we advertising It really depends right on now. my mood on a given basis. It, we have a little uh, sensor. And when I'm angry, you get less of a discount. <laughs> Nonetheless, come and join. Do sign up. It makes us look good. And we will be back in a few days with the normal news roundup later this week. Bye, everyone. 